Hello and welcome to episode 157 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. Folks, it has been a long time since we graced the airwaves with our presence. We'd like to apologize for the lengthy, lengthy amount of time between last episode and this episode. However, we have some fun new stuff on the horizon and a slight change in format to go over with you all in just a moment. But first, my name is Jonathan Reimer, and joining me this evening, none other than Mr. Christopher Sines. Good evening, sir, and aloha, coming all the way to us from Hawaii. What's going on, Black and Gold family? Happy to be back. Uh, yes, it has been a long time, Jonathan, and Christian will be on shortly. He is uh, just jumping on here late when he comes in mid-segment. It'll be like a uh, a cold open, right? Uh, we'll just be having mid-conversation here, and he'll just jump on and join in. Um but uh, yeah, man, I'm in Hawaii with the family. It's uh, just a quick little one week vacation uh, before the kids go back to school. And um, yeah, excited, excited to be back. Definitely excited for this new format. Uh, we'll just, you know, jump right into it right here. Uh, you know, we're going to be coming to you more often, more frequently. We've had a lot of feedback from our, our listeners and we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, and because we had tried to, historically to give a lot of content in one episode and uh sometimes that made it hard for people to listen to our our full episodes or only listen to portions of our episodes uh before games especially because with the editing that uh goes on behind the scenes um and just trying to wait for to schedule opponent correspondence or interviews uh you know sometimes the episodes going to come out till Thursday or Friday and they're an hour and a half long and it's hard for people to get the content so i think that now we're going to try something new where we just put out content as we record it. So that way it's made available the very next day. Uh, so hopefully you guys will be seeing more of us. We'll be doing our opponent correspondence uh, segments pretty much by themselves leading into the match days. We'll do post-game reviews, uh, which will come within hopefully 24 to 36 hours after the match is over. And then we'll just be trickling in interviews as they come along. And hopefully that uh, is something that the listeners are able to digest a little easier. Yeah, I really hope people understand the reasons behind this. As, as you can imagine, none of us get paid to do these podcasts. They require a lot of time, effort, energy, money, resources in order to put together, especially a four-segment show with two guests trying to do that every week, get it edited, produced, and put out in time for that content to still be relevant to the upcoming game has proven to be a real challenge for us, especially during the stretch where we were playing a game. You know, I don't think there was more than 100 hours between games for like 90 days. That was a really difficult stretch for us to try and keep doing the type of content we had been historically doing. So excited about this change and really excited to be back with you, my friend. Why don't we just go ahead and dive into it? Because we got a lot of news to catch up on over a very, very busy last week. You are in Hawaii. I am fresh back from vacation. So we got a lot to talk about. Let's dive into it. The big thing on everybody's mind right now, League's Cup. We got Messi showing up in the league. Half of his old Spanish buddies are, are showing up and playing for Miami with their infinitely spaced roster and having a fantastic time down there. And throughout the course of this early group stage it was definitely 
I'm a little envious, I have to say, for us in the black and gold community getting to to watch the soccer and not participate, but still at the same time knowing that our team desperately needed this rest. But how were we going to come out of 18 days without a match after playing once every three to four days to show up and make our entrance versus FC Juarez? You know, it was definitely a little bit of a, a, a nice break. And I think that a lot of times people do have those mixed mixed feelings towards those long breaks, especially depending on whatever sport it is. You know, when you look at post postseason play, when it comes to baseball, some people hate getting the sweep after four games because then you have like, might have potentially a week of layoff and things like that. Uh, but I really think that LAFC needed this. And I, I think that based on the performance that they had yesterday against FC Juarez, you could tell that they came out all fi- all cylinders firing. Um, and, and, you know, I'm I'm also happy to see that LAC went straight to the knockout rounds. It's nice to be rewarded for the hard work from the previous season. And uh, as this League's Cups continues, it's just incentive for teams to try and continue to do well at the long stretches of the season so that they get rewarded for those efforts. It really was a wild game yesterday. I think the age-long conversation of rest versus rust, you know, gives broadcasters and podcasters ammunition for an infinite number of conversations because there will always be people who vehemently feel one way or another about that particular situation. Uh, But there is one way to feel, and that is elated in regards to LAFC's performance yesterday. Seven, seven goals dropped on FC Juarez who did manage to scramble in the box and get one back for a final score of 7-1, to reminiscent of one of the greatest games in my life that I ever got to watch. Apologies to our Brazil fans. Oh, the Demonstrof-Brazil match? Is that what we're talking about here? Ugh, man. Uh, 7-1, baby. I, I think that, you know, of all the goals that we saw, right, uh, the the typical Vela, the the prime Vela that we used to always see, the vintage Vela with the curlers, the hat trick from Buwanga. Uh, I really do think that the very last goal, the Nathan Ordaz goal, is the one that stands out to me the most because that's a a huge moment for that young man to be on that huge of a stage for him to be able to get that goal was going that really stood out to me as the most significant takeaway. Uh, we expect Vela and Bowanga to do the things that Vela and Bowanga do. And of course, you know, uh, Kellen Acosta is somebody who is not uh, uh, shy on goals, you know, for his position. I feel like he scores on a on a consistent basis for his position. So, you know, uh, hats off to Nathan Ordaz. Congratulations. What an amazing accomplishment. Big ups for the kid. Uh, I voted for him for man of the match from the 32-52. So uh, we, we ended up uh, he ended up winning the award and getting the scarf. And <clears throat> obviously, Denny Bowanga was the best player in the game. Carlos Vela was arguably the best player in the game. <clears throat> and one of those two could have easily been given man of the match. But for what that kid has put in this year, his age, his contribution to finally get on the score sheet, he earned himself a scarf, if you ask me. A couple other big things about this game, aside from the astronomical scoreline. Max Cropo, shortly after serving 90 minutes with LAFC2 back in the 18, he did not feature in the game, but just to have Max Cropo back, the emotion of him being out and everything we felt since he broke his leg during the finals, to see him, you know, 
potentially get putting the gloves on and getting between the pipes for the senior squad here coming up pretty soon. It's exciting. Whether or not we see him in this next match remains to be seen, but I think we're pretty much guaranteed that he's at least going to be in the 18 as the backup when he slides in for McCarthy. It's going to be interesting because, you know, J-Mac, he's done a pretty good job in the absence of Max Crepeau. Certainly continued to be a PK specialist. Uh, his distribution's been a little shaky at times, but seems to be getting better. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said for for J-Mac having earned himself a spot. Do you, do you have an opinion there, Chris? I think that for right now, you want to go with the player with the hot hand and the one who's a little bit more uh, in, in mid-season form. John McCarthy has done a great job for us and nothing against Max or anything of his accomplishments. Um, I definitely do not want to rush this back. I think that while we have a, a, a goalkeeper in John McCarthy who's playing well and performing well, um, it's definitely a situation where we don't want to rush Max back uh, in any in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so it's a great problem to have. It'll be interesting to see how much longer we end up having both of them on our roster because I know that goalkeepers are definitely few and far between when it comes to the goalkeepers in this league and um, if a team comes in and sees that there is one of them that is on the bench and not being utilized, I wouldn't be surprised if a team offers a, a decent amount of, of TAM or GAM to uh, get their services. That's next year's problem. Windows closed. These guys are locked in for the rest of the season. Uh, so we have a triumvirate, so to speak, finally in place here between Eldon Yakupovich, McCarthy, and Kripo. Uh, excited to see what Max brings when he steps back. I do feel like McCarthy's going to get the majority of the starts throughout the League's Cup just because of the potential for it to go to PKs at the end of each one of those games. I think you want your PK specialist in. So I, I see the argument for keeping him going during League's Cup, given those options of PKs and not wanting to waste a sub to swap out goalkeepers prior to PKs. One other <clears throat> notable return. For this last match would be that of Sergi Palencia that has returned as well, too. Not to quite as much fanfare, I should say. He was only out for a few weeks with his injury. But going from having two outside backs to having a third fullback, finally, certainly a sigh of relief for everyone out there because, you know, Hollingshead and Palacios were not going to be able to do this single-handedly. So Palencia back, great to see, got some minutes, came in, looked good. We need big minutes from him. From now till the end of the season, if he's not starting, which I expect him to to get quite a number of starts between now and the end of the season, he's certainly going to play some massive, massive role. Other big thing to note in this game, the departure of Carlos Vela due to injury uh, reported that it is a upper thigh soft tissue injury. Your concern level, Chris. Anytime that you see Carlos go down with an injury, uh, it, it's a cause for concern. There's been recent reports where he was asked about retirement and he had made comments alluding to the fact that it is relatively closer than, you know, he, than it had been in the past. That is not necessarily an indication as to when, but simply just a, a recognition of the fact that, hey, he's closer to retirement than he was to getting his first year as a rookie. Um, you know, and I think that Carlos wants to be here for the remainder of his career. But if there are these lingering injuries or um, 
a lack of performance, those are indicators that could point to him no longer being part of the team. And I don't think anybody really wants that. I think that we all want to relive Carlos in his glory days and remember him for what he has done for this club. Uh, so seeing things like that, that, that may or may not happen, they do are a bit of cause for concern, but they also should be expected in, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, I think we've also seen a lot of times in which Carlos Vela has removed himself from games on an injury concern. Uh, and it turns out he was just fine and in for the next game, but you know what? It was five to one at that point. Who cares? Get him out of the game. Uh, you know, I, I mean, there was really no point in leaving Vela in other than to just get warmed up at that point. So perhaps he stayed in a bit too long once the scoreline was already laughable. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel that it's also one of those things too, where he's like, Hey, look, I can be subbed out or what have you. One interesting thing that another, uh, point that I found interesting in the match was uh, Sebastian Salcedo, also known as Bolfo Salcedo, who was uh, number 23 on FC Juarez. Uh, San Fernando Valley boy, hello. Uh, grew up in the 818. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it was kind of cool to see somebody like that come home. Max Bredos had made, uh, uh, had talked about that uh, on the broadcast with uh, Brian Dunseth and, and just talked about how he had come home. He's uh, was a homegrown player for RSL uh, back in 2014, and then since 2020, he had been in Liga MX playing for uh, SC Juarez, Toluca, and uh, uh, Club Universidad Nacional. So, yeah, local boy repping the great one eight. Love to see that. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a, a swing through the black and gold is in his future, and he can come rep it in the hometown. I'm sure, it was good for him to get all the family out to the game. I'm sure, they I loved mean, seeing him get spanked seven to one. He is only 26. So he is still very young and uh, very capable, I'm sure. Yeah, if we're able to acquire those homegrown rights, then, you know, that's a player that doesn't count against the cap. And if you can get a solid homegrown player, uh, I mean, I think we've already seen the dividends that the Torres and the Duenas can pay. But I mean, if you can get a player that's good enough to to start in this league and be on a homegrown contract, that is a massive bit of salary cap relief. I couldn't agree more. I uh, couldn't agree more. It'd be really good to get him on a homegrown. Uh, and in the last bit of uh, League's Cup news uh, is the upcoming opponent. Uh, it is either going to be Real Salt Lake or Leon. There was a rain delay today, so they had to totally cancel the match. It's going to be replayed tomorrow, Friday, uh, local time. So depending on how fast we get this episode out, uh, you guys may already know who or who we're not playing. Uh, but uh, when it comes down to RSL or Leon, I just have a feeling that we're going to be ending up playing Leon, which on one hand, you know, I always like to prove that we deserve our championships. You never want to have any naysayers or saying, you know, like when you talk about Miami and they're talking about how Miami's on the easier side of the bracket and if Miami were to make it to the championship, that it was the easier side of the bracket and it, it, it wasn't as much of a challenge. Um you know, so I never want to have to hear anybody take away from a championship. So it's it's nice to have to go through the hard teams like Leon, and it also is good for an opportunity uh, of uh, retribution. But at the same time, you know, it's uh, we've played Leon several times now in our in our brief history, and uh, it hasn't always worked out the way that we had wanted to. So. Uh, you know, and I, I, you know, you're nervous, right? You're you're a little nervous, a little uneasy about this potential result, especially when it comes down to a one-game match. 
I mean, let's be honest. We've played Leon four times and beat them once. Uh, it just so happened that the second game we beat them by enough that that the first two games counted as a win for us. Um, you know, and then we we obviously lost both legs uh, of the CCL final. I do think it's going to be a very different game simply because, you know, they're getting the fully operational Death Star this time around. Uh, nobody's going to be out with injuries. Everybody's going to be rested and healthy. I think it's going to be a very different performance for LAFC versus Leon. Should they be the ones to advance past the fight in Chicho Arango's of RSL? Uh, either way, it's going to be an emotional game. It's either going to be Leon or it's going to be Chicho Arango coming to the bank. So, you know, that that in and of itself is, uh, you know, puts a little bit of extra spice on it. Uh, we were really hoping by the time of recording we'd have that answer. We did poll the fans, and 75% of our fans, Chris, when asked whether they would rather face Leon or the fight in Chicho Arango's of RSL, 75% guessed what? What do you think? I'm going to say 75% said the, uh, they would rather see RSL and Chicho Arango. Wrong. 75% asked for Leon. They want a chance to take them out, despite RSL being the seemingly easier path, although they certainly have been playing well of late. I thought that was a little interesting. 75% of the fans want the rematch versus Leon. I do think, you know, a fully rested LAFC could do, you know, if they go out there and just stomp Leon, I think a couple things. Not only does that say the quality that this team has and its ability, but exactly how the roster was managed leading up to the CCL final is something that people really haven't questioned Chirundolo about a lot. There have been a lot of questions about his tactics in that game, switching to a three center back system. Uh, but there haven't been a lot of questions about his squad rotation leading up to the CCL. And if we go out there with a rested team and absolutely destroy a Leon, if they end up being our potential opponent, uh, I do think that is somewhat of an indictment of his usage of the roster leading up to that game. And, you know, with so many games in such a short amount of time and the CCL being so vastly important. And as we well know, those MLS games early in the season, if you're not chasing the shield, don't really matter as much uh, as the games do in, in July and August. But uh, I don't know that I thought that was an interesting piece of it there, but I think that just about wraps us up for our recap versus FC Juarez. One last little bit of information I had on the game was that Denny Bulwaga scoring a hat trick. This is the third competition this season in which he has a hat trick MLS regular CCL and now the League's Cup. The U.S. Open Cup being the only competition LAFC have played in this season that Denny Bulwaga did not get a hat trick. Of course, he also did not play in any of those League's Cups games as well, too. So hard hard to really give him an opportunity there. Uh, joining us from the fold, making a triumphant return to Shoulder to Shoulder podcast, none other than Christian Aparicio. Sir, good evening and welcome. Good evening, good evening. Sorry I had technical issues, but it's been way too long to hear your voices, see your faces. Um, hey, man, I returned on a good, in a good time. 7-1, makes sense. Hey, Perfect. You, you look like what? you're filming an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Do you remember this TV show? Christian is currently calling us from what appears to be a closet. Yeah, no. So part of the technical issues, I have some smart light bulbs in my office. They don't work. Uh, mm. My desktop crapped out. So I'm on my laptop. I'm holding the mic by hand because the stand is not working well over here. Somewhere so 
<laughs> just just hey, making the efforts. I want to see your faces and hear voices and put some something you know out what? there. It's Blair it's Witch seven, Christian. It's, it's like seven or eight weeks. We're 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 putting a band-aid on this. We're stitching it together. We're back, baby. This is it, right? <laughs> this is the new iteration. Um, so perfect timing, right? Good to have Christian on. It's uh, he is definitely our X's and O's expert on this. Let's talk talk to us, Christian, about some of the players, uh, the player transfers that we had. Uh, Chicho Arango of fi- finally officially departed for Glasgow. Apoku off to see uh, Club du Foot Montreal. Uh, this was a few yes. weeks back. Uh, and then, of course, we've got incoming players, Christian Kike Oliveira, who is a winger, 21-year-old Uruguayan from Almeria. And we also have Philip Fufu Krastev, who uh, is coming to us, another 21-year-old young young, uh, young player. Uh, talk to us a little bit about those incoming players and, of course, the big signing, Mario Gonzalez. Definitely, and I think you said Chicho Arango at the at the beginning, but you meant Sifu going to Rangers. I think. Yes, sorry. Yeah, Sifu um, is going. Uh, to Rangers. We we were sorry. just talking about RSL Leon and talking a lot about Chicho Arango right yeah. before you popped in, so he was fresh on the mind. But I want to hear your take on the incoming and outgoing, and what that means to LAFC tactically. Yeah, outgoing. I mean, I think the Sifu move is one of the least best kept secrets. Everybody knew that that was kind of working uh in the background so glad he finally got the move he wanted um i think it's a decent fee for the amount of time we had left on his contract um i think if we would have sold him in the winter we would have got a little bit more um so i'm happy for him to get the move he wants and i think it'll be a good way for him to prove himself i hope there's some sort of sell-on so we can make more money if he moves on to um or beyond the scottish premiere um, I want to jump jump in on this real quick here before sure. we get to to the other incoming and outgoing here. Did we hold on to Sifu too long? Uh, he just signed a four year deal with Rangers. <clears throat> LAFC got a rumored one million five hundred twenty five thousand five hundred fifty four dollars for the Sifu. So just a hair over one point five million dollars. Did did we hold on to him too long? I mean, it's not like he contributed a ton this season. What was the thought simply CCL or bust? So we need Sifu. I think an argument can be made for that um, because he, his form wasn't um, as good as it was last year. I think part of it is mental. It reminds me a little bit of Rossi, right? When he wanted his move and his head wasn't in it in the same way he was because he felt like he had proved himself at that point in time and wanted to get the move that he had discussed. Of course, for him, it was COVID. Um, so maybe COVID delayed things for him too, but yeah, I think the winter would have been the right time. I just don't know how many buyers there was or how willing Rangers at that point or any other buyers were willing to, to, to buy him at that point. And it sounded like in some of the negotiations, there was already a pre-agreement that we were going to get a fee maybe this winter. Right. But then maybe, you know, they whispered the right things in his ear and he pushed things along and we get, we get money now too. So I don't like that. I think. I think it dovetails nicely into having Fufu come, right? I think same same kind of ilk in terms of a more attacking-minded midfielder, younger, I think hungry, likely would want to go back to Europe after coming from, uh, I think he's from Sofia, right? So out in Bulgaria, Bulgaria. So I, I mean, like likely he would want to go into one of the top five, type, top seven leagues after being in MLS for a little bit because he's so young. So um, I like I like what I've seen in highlights too. So 
I think that's a strong move. I think uh, if you could remind me of the striker's name. Uh, so that is Mario Gonzalez. Uh, he's a 27-year-old Spanish striker uh, who comes to us from Braga in Portugal. Uh, it is a TAM deal. Um, so he spent the last two seasons in Braga. Uh, he had 13 goals and one assist in 22 games. Yeah, so that 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 deal I really like, especially because it's TAM. Very important to me that we try to stay within um budget obviously and somehow we as of right now right we we've come out of this window without that third dp at least announcements i feel like there might be an announcement here and there uh but maybe not dp so i'm glad we got a striker a true number nine a true poacher um although we scored seven goals against juarez i think having a true number nine is going to be very important with the different types of teams we'll be playing in the different tactics other teams so that we have different variations of a 4-3-3 with different types of midfielders and strikers and wingers. So I like that move a lot. I think the last bit of business is Opoku out and what has been confirmed by Tom Bogert. So it's basically fact, but not confirmed by the club yet uh, is the arrival of Christian Oliveira, AKA Kike, the 21 year old Uruguayan winger who joins us from CA Boston river seems to be kind of a like, for like replacement for a poku agreed yeah so speed i think um it's hard it's hard to, to know right how, in terms of how his finishing is going to be i think opoku was hot and cold but when he was on he was on um and that hunger i think he finally got the kind of uh, money move he probably earned uh, so we'll see if this young uruguayan striker could, could or young uruguayan winger could do the same thing uh, the good thing is I think we have a strong kind of starting three um, up front right now before our new striker comes in. I think Buke will probably sit, and then we'll have two backup young wingers that can learn a thing or two from Buanga and Vela. Uh, and barring injury, we do have some backups there too. So I'm happy about all these moves. In terms of strengthening strengthening some positions that we have of need, um, only thing I think we – we may be missing is defensively on the wings um, some backup. But um, if Eddie Segura, who got re-signed, starts breaking into the team, I think he can be flexible and flex into um, the right defensive side. So we'll see. Uh, Eddie Segura has a lot of experience prior to LAFC, if we remember, at playing the six. Uh, he did play defensive midfield True. before we sort of converted him to center back when he came to LAFC. So, I mean, I think if Eddie Segura has versatility, it's, well, who knows? I mean, he's coming back from a gruesome double injury, right? So let's just hope that he gets back out there. Um, who was it that had right back experience? One of our center backs. Why am I drawing a blank at the moment? I think it's, uh, is it fall? No, it's not fall. Oh, this is going to drive me freaking crazy. Is it a center back that did what? Uh, that, that had experience playing right back prior to coming to LAFC. Is it Maldonado? It is not Maldonado. Although we have used Maldonado at right back already this season. Right. Um, which I, I thought was a, a little odd, um, but he was okay at it. I, I think it was uh, fairly serviceable, I think is the best way of describing the way he performed. But 
I, I do think, I mean, look, now that we have Palencia back from injury, there's simply something to be said for, you know, him giving us that third option. There's not too many teams that, that only have three options there. Almost everybody has a fourth option on the roster somewhere. So I'm a little surprised that LAFC didn't go out and try and make that signing. Uh, but nonetheless, we are where we are. You know, it's uh, it's it's definitely good to have a lot of these key players back. It, it's it's uh, going to definitely help us as we prepare for the second half of the season. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that whether Eddie Segura is uh, as good as he was before the injury or after or the return of Mamadou Fall, uh, I think that having all of these pieces and being able to input them based on the the opponent is is going to work to our advantage. Um, Jesus David Murillo is the one who played right back. I, I knew it would come to me eventually. Murillo. Murillo's played right back before. There it is. Uh, you know, and definitely something else to just mention is uh, when we're talking about the return of players, the return of former LAFC players that are now back in the MLS after some time in another league. Uh, Chicho Arango is back with RSL. Diego Rossi just got announced as being part of uh, Columbus Crew. And uh, Christian Ramirez was back with Columbus Crew this year uh, from his time over in uh, Scotland playing for Aberdeen. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of retread players coming back through the MLS that were once black and gold. It uh, It'll be interesting, you know, because I think that you know, Diego and Chicho were players that left on really good terms with the fan base. And so to see them now wearing other colors, the first time that we play against them will be an interesting, interesting time for sure. It's not a good feeling, right? To see Chicho Arango and those RSL kits scoring goals. We know Diego Rossi, when he shows up, is going to kill it because Diego Rossi is going to do Diego Rossi things. I think it's disappointing that both of those outgoing transfers didn't really work out where they arrived. Uh, Arango at Pachuca was not a great fit, and Rossi never really seemed to be tearing it up at Fenerbahce either. I had really kind of hoped those guys would would move on in their career and take some big steps forward. I think it hurts the entire MLS outgoing transfer market when you have two big players from a big club that go to Let's be honest, these are not the biggest leagues in the world when we're talking about the Turkish League or Liga Amekis. So, uh, you know, to see them both have to come back to the MLS after relatively short stays out is is kind of a bummer. I don't know, Christian, do you feel the same? I think I think um two two different situations here. I think Rossi thought that that would springboard him into a top 5 to 7 league and I think he chose the wrong team to go and show what he could do. Maybe if he wanted a, a a lower fee to go to mid to lower table Spanish team or Portuguese team would have been better for the way he plays. I think the Turkish league didn't work out for him. So now he's kind of like, you know, I feel like if you're a scout or team um, owner in Europe and you say, hey, you didn't even make it in Turkey, right? So yeah, that that does look bad. Like you, and you're gonna come and get guaranteed playing time. I think for Chicho, I think Chicho knew all along he was gonna come back. I think he moved for the money, said all the right things, and then knew that he was gonna find a team that would want him because he's proven and he's won a championship. 
I, I I guarantee you that we wouldn't have let him go if there wasn't all these weird, funny money machinations in the MLS. Um, and there's can, a disincentive. I can guarantee you that Arango wanted to stay and that he would prefer to be with LAFC, but the financial constraints of an MLS roster didn't allow us to right. keep him. I did hear he's getting paid three times by RSL what LAFC was paying yeah. him. And and that makes sense because he's a he's a DP, right? And I, I, I recall this for a you know general manager that remains unnamed and is you know with a, a rival team now, saying that if you do win the MLS Cup, they put even more restrictions on you to not be able to re-sign players. So it's a little bit backwards. Like you're you're going toward towards a title and adding a star to the jersey, but then you know that it's going to be even more difficult because of the different uh, things put in place so that there's parity in the league. So that's what's unfortunate. I, I think maintaining parity is great, but, you know, lifting some restrictions to allow teams to retain or um, invest is important. So I think I think for Chicho, I, I think it was whoever his agent or advisors are, or if, if these were his ideas, I do think he, he knew he'd come back and get more money and get more playing time. With regards to Diego Rossi arriving, obviously Lucas Elorayon had to be shipped out in order for him to come in to free up the roster space for crew. Allegedly, this is a rumor going around, but a rumor from some some fairly good sources that has you know some sound bites behind it to back it up. There was about a hundred and fifty thousand dollars between their least expensive DP and the threshold for making them down to a TAM player. And apparently they had the allocation money to, to buy that contract down and could have kept Zellerae on and still brought Rossi in. But Don Garber and Major League Soccer have been accused of not allowing them to use the allocation money to buy their DP down at this point in the season. Now, I am absolutely 100% not sure of any of the facts here. Um, I, I do know the distance between the player's salary and, and the threshold, and it was less than $150,000 in allocation money that could have been used. And by all accounts, not that any of us would ever know for sure, crew had that allocation money that they could have used, but by their own front office's statements going on shows, they have said that they were not allowed to use that money, something that should be, to the best of my knowledge, well within the rules of MLS to do but that there might've been the league holding them back a little, which seems absolutely astounding uh, given what the league has done to help Miami stack their roster, or at least the perception they're in at this point in the season, which is just some wild and salacious and completely unfounded, or maybe even partially founded information that I just found scintillating. But I was curious if you guys had any thoughts on that. Well, that's the first time that I've heard about it, uh, but you know, this league is uh, this this league is has a narrative that it's trying to portray right now, and I think that Miami is the hot new thing. And uh, I mean, is it is it so far fetched to think that there would be people trying to pull the strings to make sure that there isn't a team in the East that is not able to compete with Miami? I don't know. I mean, that is what you've just said is exactly where all the tinfoils have gone with this piece of information. And I don't think that, I mean, that's, that's a bold accusation, but it's not far-fetched. 
right? I, I mean, it is it is crazy to think that this league would do that, but also it's messy, right? And and you know, I think we've already seen uh you know some of the refereeing decisions around Messi that have been a little questionable. I mean, even the broadcast was calling out some of the refereeing decisions going on around Messi that uh you know he's getting some very soft calls for him and and has some some pretty loud contact himself that doesn't get called. I, I mean this is I mean this is gonna be fun to watch, I guess, as it plays out this whole circus around MLS that started. Yeah, it, it's definitely gonna be uh a lot of fun. But, you know, looking at the time right now and in keeping with this new uh, way that we want to try and have the content, I think that we should start wrapping it up. So one last thing that uh, we want to talk about just to keep all of you guys informed on upcoming matches outside of the League's Cup match that LASC is still currently in and they're going to be in, you know, the League's Cup is still going to run through August. Um, LAFC has, they have announced the uh, date for the Campeones Cup at BMO Stadium, which is the annual battle between the reigning MLS and Liga MX champions. So LAFC will take on Tigres on Wednesday, September 27th at 8 p.m. So uh, we're looking forward to that too. Going to be a massive match. I'm not sure how much the Campeones Cup really matters to anybody. Um, so, I mean, it it is just a, a one game, one and done winner versus winner us versus Tigres. And that's a big draw. It's a big match. Um, you know, it does come at somewhat of a pivotal time in the season, right? As you're getting down to that, that finals crunch there. So if LAFC are jockeying for a particular position in the table, uh, or trying to, you know, maintain a grasp on a top seat in the table, like we're all hoping, uh, it could be interesting to see what roster we throw out in what is arguably just an exhibition match. Yes, there's a cup on the line and, and cups matter. And I'm sure there's prize money that comes along with it. I don't think it has any CONCACAF league no, ties to I, it. You don't get no, a CCL spot for winning. No, but you know what? I think that, the again, we're trying to build out this trophy cabinet. We've qualified for several trophies this season. And so far, we've come up with nothing. So... Being able to walk away with something is a foot in the right direction, regardless of how meaningless the outcome and what weight it actually carries. I think that it would still be a really nice thing to have. You make a valid point there. If LAFC are not able to win the League's Cup, and let's be honest, we're in the hardest quadrant of the bracket. Uh, I mean, it, it's ridiculous. All like the top five teams in the entire competition are all in our bracket, uh, barring whatever you think of Miami's resurgence, right? Uh, I mean, the, the teams, if we're able to win the next two games in the League's Cup, then we have a massive, massive chance of winning this whole thing. Um, but but the next two opponents are going to be really difficult. And if LAFC are not able to overcome beating a roster that's, you know, three, four times as expensive as our own, and we, you know, aren't able to fight for the shield because of what's going on, you know, in the East, then that means that we could miss out on the shield. We missed out on the CCL Cup. We missed out on League's Cup. We missed out on U.S. Open Cup. Then the Campiones Cup starts to look a lot more enticing to at least have some silverware to claim before we go into the postseason. So I, I do think that's a valid argument there, Christian. I agree. Um, I, I think the, the shield is gone. I think Cincinnati is kind of running away with that right now. Um, I, if we win the next two matches, I think 
that would probably get us into the last four, right? Am I correct about right about that? So at that point, just be be the best of the you know of the losers if you lose there because you get a Champions League. And if you don't get the cup, right? But that's not what we're aiming for. So that's that's the worst case scenario to me. Getting into that semifinal, just don't lose by a lot if you do lose. Um, but I want that cup. I want the league's cup. I want that inaugural. And yeah, I do think that Campeones Cup is important because my goal is for that East side to have as many banners and you know shadows of different trophies as possible. Um, and not not adding to it this year, it will be a disappointment. Like you said, there's a lot of opportunities. I think it's six or seven trophies on the line. And if we come up with none, you know, what are we doing? Right. The whole point of this is to win trophies. Uh, you're right in the shield. LAFC currently sit 14 points back of Cincinnati. Uh, we are currently sixth place in the shield standings. Uh, all caught up on games now at this point in the season. Uh, still second place in the conference, though, just four points back. Gentlemen, do you have anything else you wanted to throw into episode 157 before we call it a show? Nope, just uh, I'm good. Just really glad to be back. Thank you for all of our listeners that uh, had reached out and asked, and we're hoping that you guys like the new format. Please share uh you know this uh this podcast with anybody that you feel would enjoy it and listen and if any of you want to come on our show be a guest please let us know we'd love to have you on tell your story as to how you became an LASC fan and why you're here amen one little bit of of housekeeping before we find out the show we would like to give the biggest shout out and congratulations to none other than the legendary sound engineer wilton on the birth of his first child, his baby girl, little baby Genesis. So a uh, massive, massive congratulations to the Perez family. Uh, we love you guys. Congratulations on becoming a father, something you two can certainly give him some great advice on. Uh, Christian has already informed him that his next four years of sleep schedule are out the window, uh, but congratulations, Wilton. Four, four years, bro. My kids are eight and six, and I still don't have a consistent sleep schedule. So, yeah, no, I don't think regular, I, I don't think I put a year behind it. Uh, I think regu- regular sleep is gone until forever. Correct. That is a correct. So, assessment. but no, congratulations, Wilson and Jamie. Uh, you know, awesome. Really happy for you guys. So, uh, yeah. keep a lookout for our next episode. It'll probably just be after the next LAFC match in the League's Cup. So that'll just be uh, hopefully after we know the opponent, it'll just be in another four to five days. So we'll see you guys all then. In the meantime, sign that pigeon. I want to see it in an LAFC kit and at every game from here on out. May the good luck ride on the wings of our feathered friends, be it Ollie or I believe Polly is the name the fan base is giving the pigeon. Uh, so we have Ollie and Polly now the pigeon uh, to celebrate. And thank goodness they didn't go for each other because I think we were all a little worried as Ollie was flying around that uh, that pigeon was looking awful lot like a target there on the field. Uh, almost knocked a few players over. Highlight, the pigeon game will forever be remembered as the second greatest 7-1 game of all time. Well, with that, folks, on behalf of myself, Jonathan, my co-hosts, Chris and Christian, and of course, the newly fathered sound engineer, Wilton. We would like to thank you all for listening to episode 157 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Check us out at LAFC S2S on all your social media platforms. Be sure to like, subscribe, and rate and review. 
Till then, take us home, Sticks. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that.